0: This podcast contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. My name is Andrew Tate, and this is Season 8, Episode 13 of Let's Not Meet, A True Horror I've always had vivid dreams, even as a child. I remember when I was seven years old, I had a dream that a man was watching me through a window. I could hear him trying to unlock the door. I ran back to my parents' closet and I could hear him approaching. And then I wake up. Just stuff like that, I guess. Everybody has nightmares sometimes, but mine seemed to be next level. After I had a child, when I was 23 things started getting worse. I guess it was just this anxiety and stress that manifested itself in my dreams. It progressed into sleepwalking, and I started acting out my dreams. I went on a weekend trip with my boyfriend. My parents kept my little girl, so it was just me, him, and another couple. We stayed at this nice hotel, went and had a few drinks. I was kind of nervous about sharing a room with another couple because... I know how it is when I stay at an unfamiliar place. I'm likely to have some kind of sleep terror or even sleepwalk. That night, we all went to sleep. Now, sometime in the night, I found myself standing in this large room. It was like a suite or something. I looked around, and it was like I was watching an old movie. Sort of hazy, not scary. I walked around and didn't see anyone in the bed. I saw that the door was cracked open. Then it slowly started to open further. I saw a large man standing in the door, staring at me. He was nicely dressed, but we just stared at each other for a minute or two. I was beyond terrified, but my aggression finally kicked in and I said, Who are you? Get out of my room. He said, What's your name? I was even more terrified. I didn't respond. He started to walk closer, and he shut the door behind him. At this point, I'm just as confused as I am scared. Now, I guess my brain started waking up, and suddenly the room was totally unfamiliar. This was not my room, I thought. The horror of realizing that I was in the wrong room. It was the middle of the night. I was out of town. I had slept-walked into another room at the hotel. The man is now walking towards me. He stops about a foot away from me and says, What is your name? I say, I think I've made a mistake. This is the wrong room. He's standing between me and the door. He's just staring at me with this aggressive look. He says, Well, let me walk you to your room then. With the creepiest stare. Then slowly smiled. This maniacal half-smile, no emotion in his eyes. I tell him no, I I can walk back myself. I dash for the door and open it. He's now walking towards me, from behind. My heart is beating so fast I can hear it, throbbing in my ears. I swing the door open and run full speed out of it. He's picking up his pace and following me down the hall. I see the elevator and start sprinting. As soon as the light dinged for the doors to open, I run inside and hit the button to close the doors as quickly as possible. I see him run around the corner right as the doors are starting to close. He's angry, but he's not saying anything. I guess he didn't want to cause a scene and chance waking up any of the guests. I'm so panicked I can't remember my room number at this point. I'm crying, desperately trying to remember. Suddenly I remember it. I knew the elevator at the hotel had one of those screens by the elevator so you could see what floor you were stopping at. He was going to know the floor that I stopped at. I couldn't chance going to the wrong floor to throw him off because I would waste time. I don't know why I didn't go to the lobby. I was too panicked to think rationally. The doors opened to my floor. I sprint to the door of my room and bang on it as hard as I can. My boyfriend opens it. He's confused. I say, let me in now. He's sleepy and drunk. The other couple only woke up briefly to say, are you okay? I'm embarrassed, horrified, crying, in all kinds of emotions. As soon as the room is quiet, I lay on the bed and cry quietly. I hear the ding of the elevator. He's now out there walking around trying to find me. Eventually, I hear it ding again as if he's headed back to another floor or maybe back to his room. The next morning, I wasn't sure whether I had just been dreaming. I wasn't sure if it was one of those vivid dreams that didn't happen but felt more like a memory than a dream. I was replaying the hazy memory of being in the room over and over again in my head. It felt like I was going insane. I was quiet, head spinning. Face was hot. I was terrified. If it was real, then I would be absolutely horrified for my own safety at night for the rest of my life. If it was real, then my boyfriend didn't need to know. Who would want to be with a girl who did something to that level of extreme during the night on a weekend trip with his friends? I felt embarrassed at the time, but mostly panicked. I decided that I wouldn't say a word about anything. Partly, this was my way of figuring out if it had actually happened. If no one brought it up, it probably didn't. It was so bizarre and so beyond scary that my brain was literally trying to protect me. It was easier to say, that's crazy, so unlikely, and probably didn't happen. What are the chances of that being real? It was almost too scary and alarming. The fact that I could sleepwalk. Even accepting it as a reality. The morning was somewhat normal. We all slept in late. Me and the other girl on the trip didn't really know each other well, but we bonded while doing our makeup before the day. While we were doing our makeup, she looked up at me and said, So what happened to you last night? My heart stopped beating. I realized my worst fear. It was real. I said, What do you mean? She said, When you came and started beating on the door for us to let you in. I kind of laughed and tried to act nonchalant. Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing, but I guess I had gotten up to use the bathroom and went to the wrong door because I was so sleepy. So I just had to knock to be let back in. She laughed and said, Oh, I've done that before. It's so awkward. My boyfriend didn't bring it up the entire trip. But on the way home, he said, Wait, I forgot to ask you. You were needing to be let back into the room in the middle of the night. What happened? I fed him the same story. I never told my boyfriend what happened. I felt psychotic. I called a therapist the next day. I still sleepwalk sometimes. It's crazy how your mind can involuntarily make you do something like that. It's like you're in full control of your subconscious brain at night. Most people's muscles freeze so they can't act out their dreams, but not me. I don't know who that man was. I don't know how I got into his room. If that even was his room, I don't know what would have happened. I knew he was going to do something to me, though. I've been terrified every time that I go out of town since then. I never saw the man again, but it goes to show how dangerous your mind can be. Somehow, my dream had innocently put me in a situation to encounter the wrong person at the wrong time. I still don't trust myself at night, but maybe my subconscious was traumatized enough from what happened that it learned a lesson. My roommate and I in a very small two-story townhouse in a busy part of the city. It's not a bad area, but definitely highly trafficked. Since we've lived there, there have been incidents of women getting murdered at the park across the street, and there is a peeping Tom out on the loose, looking into young women's windows at night while they change or shower. Our downstairs consists of the living room, kitchen, and dining room, and both of our bedrooms and a bathroom are at the top of the stairs. There's a front and back door downstairs as well as a sliding door with a screen that we open when the weather is nice to let the air in. We are both young women. I'm 23 and she is 26. My roommate's boyfriend stays with us most of the time, but he technically doesn't live there. On the day that this happened... We were both upstairs in her room, smoking a bowl and unwinding after work. Her boyfriend and his friend were hanging out in the living room. It was maybe 8pm when her boyfriend and his friend shout up the stairs at us that they're going to the corner store and they'll be right back. We say okay and continue our conversation. What we don't know is that when they left, they didn't close the sliding door. This was after the time change, so it was just starting to get dark. It wasn't even fully nighttime yet, so they must have assumed that it would be fine. But about five minutes after they tell us that they're leaving, I stop my friend mid-sentence because I can hear two male voices downstairs. We both freeze for a second, listening to make sure that we aren't just hearing people on the street. But there's no mistaking how close they sound. Someone is in our house. My roommate shouts, Yo! Out her open door to whomever is downstairs to make sure that it wasn't her boyfriend. This is our greeting of choice in this house. And as soon as she shouts, the voices go quiet for a moment. Then, much closer than before, probably as close as the bottom of the staircase, we hear someone moving around, and then a voice that definitely doesn't belong to her boyfriend or his friend. It says, It's okay, sweetie. Upon hearing this, my stomach drops. I can feel the blood drain out of my face as I mouth to my roommate to close the door. The realization of the situation sets in. We're two small girls, neither of us more than 110 pounds, alone in a house with at least two strange men. There are no exits upstairs, and my cell phone is in my room. All we have to defend ourselves with is a pocket knife. I'm terrified. What if he runs up the stairs and knocks a door in? What if he hurts my cats? I tell my roommate to call 911. The operator is on the line with us until the cops get there, which takes about ten minutes. But that was the longest ten minutes of my entire life. These men are aware of our presence, but they don't do anything. We can't hear them anymore now that the door is closed, but her small dog downstairs starts to bark. When the police arrive, our sliding door is still open, and strangely, so is our freezer. Our patio furniture had been moved out of the way by someone to open the door from the outside. Nothing was taken, and all of our pets were unharmed, but we don't know why they were there. Based on the timing of everything, They were probably watching and waiting for the boys to leave before inviting themselves inside, meaning they were probably there for my roommate and I. My expensive camera, TV, and bongs were all sitting out, and the guys walked right by them to talk to my roommate. I don't even want to think what could have happened. Since then, we've checked our house for hidden cameras and bugs just to make sure they didn't leave anything. But whoever invited themselves into our apartment and ominously told my roommate, It's okay, sweetie. Let's not meet. There's a five-year age difference between my younger sister and I. So, when she was a sophomore in high school, I was already away at college. On one of my visits back home, I think it was summer break, my sister introduced me to the guy that she was dating. He was a senior at her high school, so a few years older than her. He was a tall husky kid with thick red curly hair and wire-framed glasses that were probably a bit too small for his face. He wore metal band t-shirts and big goth-style parachute pants and a trench coat almost every single day regardless of the heat. He was hardly strange considering that it was the early 2000s, and that was a style. I can't tell you what it was about the kid that rubbed me the wrong way, though. I really had no desire to get to know him. He gave me the fucking creeps. He was quiet and had all the personality of a wet dishrag. He really made my hair stand up on end. I have no idea what my sister saw in this guy. I told my sister as much, and it really annoyed and upset her. We got into a fight, and we barely talked during this visit due to the fight. And the fact that she was so wrapped up in going out with her creepy love interest. My parents were also very standoffish with him which is beyond bizarre behavior. My parents are the type of people who adopt all of our friends as their own. The majority of our friends then and now know there is always an open invite to stay for dinner, rummage through the fridge, and to stay over if my sister and I aren't home. They've always strived to provide a safe and inviting environment where they knew that we were all happy and safe. So the fact that they never wanted him over and barely spoke to him, other than aloof, polite responses, was very not normal. When I brought this fact up to my mom, she said that she wasn't a fan of him either. Ever since they had started dating, my sister had started acting and dressing different, sneaking out, etc. She and my stepdad were doing the best to keep their opinions to themselves, and inevitably let them break up when my sister came to her senses. I tried really hard to get past the bad vibes that he gave me, but in the two years that they dated, neither me nor my parents ever shook the creepy feeling that he gave us. We all breathed a sigh of relief when they finally broke up, and my sister moved on to a much better match for her. Fast forward about five years. We had all but basically forgotten about this guy's existence. That is until my mom called me one morning. Her voice was shaking and she asked if I had a minute. I sat down and braced myself for something horrible, took a breath, and said, Okay, what happened? She said, Remember your sister's high school boyfriend? Red-haired, creepy kid? Yeah, of course. What does that have to do with anything? Oh my god, they're not together again, are they? No, my mom said shakily. He's in jail for murder. I can't remember the rest of the conversation because I was shaking and crying myself. I immediately called my sister. It could have been you. It could have been you, I said. My sister was surprisingly calm. She had obviously already possessed the information. And she calmed me down and assured me that she was okay. He was behind bars and wasn't getting out. After hanging up, I googled his name and sure enough, there he was. His mug shot along with two other men in connection with a drug-related murder. I pored through all of the articles available for weeks. He and two other guys had lured a friend to his apartment and the guys that they wanted to buy weed. Once the poor guy showed up, they held him down and strangled him to death with a chain, then stuffed his body into the trunk of his own car. Afterwards, they spent a few days joyriding around in the dead guy's car while he was in the trunk. They even used his credit and debit cards all over town, which is how they were eventually caught. He's currently doing 25 to life in Ohio jail, where I hope he stays. The important lesson that I learned from all of this is always trust your gut and always speak up to protect your loved ones, even if they get mad at you. Better mad than maimed or dead. So, to the murderer who dated my sister, let's not meet. This series of events took place over a pretty long span of time, making for a very long story so I'll try to keep things as concise as possible. A few years ago, While I was a university student, I also worked three to four nights a week as a server. The restaurant I was working in was a small, locally owned, farm-to-table-style restaurant with a small, tight-knit staff. On weeknights, the restaurant was usually a lot slower in later hours after dinner rush, and we would generally close at around 10 p.m. On nights like this, there would often be just one server left at the end of the night, to close up the front of house, and one or two kitchen staff to wrap things up in the back. One night, I was closing up the front of house alone, and after finishing the cleanup, I sat down at the bar to do my cash out. While I was cashing out, the cook, who we're going to call JC, who had been closing in the back that night, came out to get a glass of wine, and we started chatting. At this point, I had been working at the restaurant for only a couple of months, And it had crossed my mind a few times that JC looked familiar, but I hadn't had a chance to really talk to him enough to figure out why. So while we were chatting, we figured out that we had gone to the same high school and he had graduated a couple of grades ahead of me, which is why he seemed so familiar to me. Because of this, we ended up getting into a longer conversation about mutual friends and interests, and so on. I genuinely enjoyed talking with him. After that, Whenever I was closing up the front alone, JC would come and join me during cash out to have a glass of wine and chat. It was nice and it felt like we were becoming friends. However, after a few weeks of this, he started to get flirty with me, mentioning how he was attracted to me, and then asked me to go with him to dinner to a romantic restaurant in our city. Although I did enjoy talking with him and being friends, I had no attraction or romantic interest, and being slammed with balancing university work and other obligations I wasn't really interested in dating at all at the time. I explained that to him, that my life had a lot going on at the moment and I wasn't really looking for anything romantic. He seemed to take this okay. However, over the next several weeks, he continued to invite me to that same restaurant. I kept politely declining, but I was starting to feel a little annoyed and uncomfortable that he wouldn't just let it go. Eventually, Christmas arrives, And there's a huge staff party at the restaurant and everyone drinks way too much. I, of course, also drink way too much and end up stupidly and drunkenly making out with him after the party. I know, I know. Add that to my list of stupid drunken college decisions. Obviously, this poor decision making on my part led him to believe that I was interested in being more than friends. At work, I still chatted with him, but I also let him know that it was just a one-time thing and I'm still not looking to date. This is when things got weird. Things were pretty normal for a while, and then during February break, I took some time off to go visit some friends overseas. When I got back, JC started to become more and more hostile towards me. He would text me and call me a bitch for leading him on, which I just ignored. Then he would try to corner me in moments when I was alone during my shift which was tricky because the place was pretty small. If I needed to go get something from the walk-in fridge in the kitchen, for the bar, he would follow me and try to talk to me. How these interactions would play out depended on his mood. Sometimes he'd be hostile and angry. Other times he would just calmly ask why I wasn't interested in him. During one shift, I had arrived early and was setting up the bar. I was the only person in the front of the restaurant at this time. While I was behind the bar, he came out front holding a knife and cornered me. He started berating me and questioning me about the same topic as always. I didn't think he was planning on hurting me, but obviously I was extremely uncomfortable and wanted him to get the hell away from me, but I didn't know how to make that happen without making him even angrier. Eventually, one of the other kitchen staff must have clued in that something weird was going on because she came up to the front to check on things. I had heard that he was bad-mouthing me to the kitchen staff, so I'm sure that they knew things were weird between us. Thankfully, due to her intervention, he went back to the kitchen and she asked if I was okay. I told her I was fine and I just wanted to keep my distance from him. After that incident, I asked my boss to try and not schedule us closing shifts together. Since we had a small staff, I knew this would be tricky, but he was very understanding of the situation and tried to be as accommodating as possible. He also told me that he was working on hiring a new chef and would be letting JC go after the new guy was able to start. However, since he was coming from another city, it was still going to be at least another couple of months the other servers I worked with also knew that things were getting weird and would try to stay with me until close whenever possible. I really loved the job and the people that worked there, so I, I didn't want to quit. I figured I could just avoid him for a couple of months until the new guy came. Sometime in the spring, I decided I needed to liven up my boring schedule of work and school, so I downloaded Tender. Around that time, a new server had also just started working at the restaurant and didn't really know about the situation with JC. One night I was working a shift with her and a couple of other servers. I had met a guy on Tinder that I was planning to meet after my shift, so I asked them if I could cut out early for the night if it was slow. The night turned out to be pretty slow, so I got out early. I didn't want to walk through the back door because I would have to pass by J.C. in the kitchen and I knew that he would ask why I was leaving and so on. So I asked the new girl to grab my purse in the kitchen so that I could leave through the front door. When she came back from the kitchen with my bag, she looked at me strangely and said, I think I may have done something wrong. Puzzled, I asked her why. She said that J.C., had seen her grabbing my bag, then asked what she was doing. Not thinking anything of it, she said, Oh, she's just going on a date. She's leaving early. Apparently, JC freaked out, and the new girl was understandably confused. I told her he's been weird with me for a long time and not to worry about it, and I left. Now the back door of the restaurant opened into an alleyway that opened onto a main road about 50 meters away. I always parked my car in the same spot right beside the alley entrance and JC knew this. So although I left through the front door of the restaurant, I still had to walk to my car and pass by the alley. As I get there, I see JC coming down the alley holding a pair of kitchen tongs. At least, it wasn't a knife this time. He was walking towards my car. As soon as he sees me, he starts going off, screaming about what a two-faced bitch I am, and how I used him, and betrayed him, and how I am a whore, etc. As it's a beautiful spring evening, in a nice area of the city, there were so many people just walking around, so I'm not really scared. More so, just mortified. So I jump into my car and leave. This bullshit continues for another couple of months, and I continue doing my best to avoid him as much as possible. After my semester finished up, I left the country for a summer study abroad. So things quieted down. When I came back in August, I went back to work at the same restaurant. The plans with the chef that my boss wanted to hire fell through. So JC was still there. I figured that since I had been gone for a couple of months, things would have calmed down. Everything was okay for a few weeks, until I started to date a guy I had been friends with for several years. Somehow, JC found out about this relationship. I'm still not sure how he found out, because I had asked my coworkers not to bring it up around him, and knowing how he was, they agreed. That it was better to keep quiet. One night, I was out for burgers and beers with the new boyfriend, and I started to get a string of nonstop texts from JC saying all kinds of things. He was calling me names, begging for me to go out with him or come to talk with him, telling me that he would find my parents and tell them that I was a slut. Just a nonstop rampage of all kinds of things. At this point, I was getting pretty fed up with him. He was harassing me. So, I just put my phone away and ignored it. For those of you wondering why I didn't just block his number, I thought about it, but I was worried that it might make him even angrier and make things worse, since I still had to see him semi-regularly at work. When the new boyfriend and I got back to my place later that night, I checked my phone and I had over 100 messages from him, which I continued to ignore. The next morning, when I checked my phone, there were almost 400 waiting for me, mainly threats and calling me names. Since he had mentioned finding my family several times, I decided that I needed to let him know what was going on. I drove to my parents' house and discussed with my parents and brothers what was happening. They suggested that I go to the police, but I didn't think that they would be able to do much. However, I did save all the messages just in case that I would need a record of his harassment at some point. A few days later, I went out to my car, which was parked in front of my house. I was going to drive to class. Walking towards the car, I noticed the tires looked flat. I checked them out and all four tires had been slashed. At this point, I was scared and furious. I called my brother and he picked me up and drove me to the police station. I had no actual proof that J.C. had done this so the police couldn't do much, but after showing the police officer on duty the texts and telling him the overview of the past several months, he could clearly tell that I was shaken up. He gave me his name and badge number and told me that if J.C. ever came near me or texted me, I should tell him that he's been reported to the police and a report has been filed to this officer and give him the name and badge number. Of course, J.C. did text me again, and I told him exactly what the police officer had told me to say. It seemed to work, because he didn't text me again. Fast forward a couple of weeks. J.C. and my boss had been working as guest chefs at a big charity event in our city. J.C. had too much to drink at the event and made the idiotic decision to drive home. He crashed his car into a median strip and got picked up by the police. They took him to the station, as he was intoxicated. I guess in his drunken state, he thought he was being arrested for what he had done to me and told the police some version of the whole story. I found out about this because my boss had been called to the police station to pick him up, and he filled me in on everything the next morning. Obviously the police that picked him up didn't know anything about the situation with me, but after hearing him out, They told him that he needed to back off. Thankfully, after that incident, he finally got fired, moved to a different city, and finally left me alone. So JC, wherever you are, I hope you get some help, and let's never meet This story begins in August of 2019. At that time, I was 18. I had just graduated from high school, and I was getting ready for my first semester of college. I was dorming with a close friend of mine, and I was excited to experience all of the cliche college stories that everyone seems to have. Unfortunately, my story wasn't so fun. The first few weeks of school were very lonely. I was dealing with a lot of issues within my family, as well as adjusting to being away from my home. I wasn't very good at making friends and ended up spending the majority of my time alone. Needless to say, it wasn't fun. I decided to start going to counseling on campus, and it did wonders for me. When I spoke about how lonely I was and how I was feeling, my counselor told me that I should go to a club fair that the school was hosting that week to see if there were any clubs or teams that I was interested in. That's how I ended up joining the equestrian club. The friend that I was dorming with also joined. And I thought that it would help her too as we were both struggling with meeting people. Looking back, the team was the only thing that kept me going until the end of that semester. Now there are a lot of people there that I felt honored to have met. The others I would love to never see again. At least one person in particular. We'll call her Kay. Kay and I seemed to click right away. She wasn't shy at all, a bit opposite of me, and seemed to be one of those people that talk to you as if you had known each other for years. At first, my roommate Kay and I were like a trio. We started eating meals together, studying at the library. We found out that she lived in the same building and same floor as us, just down the hall. We started seeing each other every day. After a few weeks, my roommate decided she was going to leave school to work on her mental health. And our trio was now down to two. This is sort of where the trouble began. Now, while Kay and I had been hanging out for two or three weeks at this point, we were still sort of getting to know each other. For example, we would hang out most days, but only after texting each other to make plans. We weren't comfortable enough just walking into each other's rooms and making ourselves comfortable. At least I wasn't. Which is why... It was so surprising to me that just a day after my roommate moved out, I came back to my dorm after class to find that Kay had moved all of her stuff in without even asking me. What's also important to note is that I had another roommate named Leslie. Our room was triple, and Leslie was the third original roommate. When I asked about Kay's stuff being moved in, she said that she assumed I told her it was okay. I was mortified. I mean, this is Leslie's room too. I would never want to make her uncomfortable or think that I could invite whoever I wanted into our home. After talking to her about it, she said that she was fine with it, but I wasn't so sure. It was just so weird that Kay moved all of her stuff without even asking me if she could. Not to mention, she had taken my dream catchers that were above my bed and she had hung them on her wall instead. When Kay came back from class, she seemed excited to be living in our room. I asked if she had gotten permission from our building advisor to move in. She said that it was all taken care of, though I am now convinced that she never told anyone about the room change. Now, even though it was weird, I decided it wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, we did get along, We were on the team together and we hung out a lot anyways. What's the worst that could happen? A few weeks went by with Kay in the room and I was already running out of patience. At first, it was typical roommate annoyances. Like her using my things without permission. But I began to notice that she had a bit of a temper and would also cry at the smallest inconveniences. She was a little unpredictable. I could tell that she really loved being the center of attention, and it was all very obvious that she would make up little stories with lies embedded in them to make her seem more interesting. For example, she actually lied about having an abortion. Everyone on the floor began to know who she was, but never for a good reason. It was all becoming a little draining. After weeks of tiptoeing around her and going along with her lies... It all came to a head. We had just gotten lunch together in the dining hall. We were now lying on our beds watching TV. I got a notification on my phone and realized that Kay was texting me, even though she was right next to me. She said that her stomach was really bothering her, and she didn't know what to do. I offered that maybe it was something that she ate and to just sleep it off. However, for the next hour, she proceeded to text me relentlessly about how much pain she was in. She said she felt hot, had a sharp pain in her right side, and felt like she was going to be sick. I offered to call the nursing center on campus, saying that it sounded like it could be symptoms of appendicitis or something. She agreed, and two EMTs arrived in the room. When they asked what was going on, Kay filled them in. The hotness, the nausea, The pain in the left side? Her left side? I checked my phone for the texts, and sure enough, she told me it was the right side. I rolled my eyes, now knowing that it was all just another plot. She ended up having to go to the hospital anyway to get checked out, and begged me to go with her. By then I was fed up with the lies and the drama and said no. So she went alone. I must have gotten well over 100 texts from her the following five hours that she was in ER. She was begging me to go there, saying that she was lonely and scared. I didn't want to feed into the drama, so I just kept replying with things like, I'm sorry, I can't, I have glass. Or, you'll be out soon enough. She then sent a text that went like this. I feel like people take me as a strong person. like." No, I was fucking anorexic. I hurt myself. I held a shotgun to my head. I almost ran away from home. I had a rough-ass life. So when I need a friend, I need a friend, and that's why I was so depressed when nobody came to see me. Because I was a wreck. This was too much for me. I was already dealing with my own mental health, and I I couldn't handle another day of all of her drama. I went to my counselor the next day and showed him the text and asked that Kay be switched out of my room. The text had to be reported to the school because of the mention of self harm, and she was immediately moved out. I switched lesson groups for the equestrian team so that I wouldn't have to ride back with her anymore. And I wish that was the end of it, but it absolutely was not. From that point on, Kay was everywhere. She followed me all around campus. All day, sometimes trying to start conversations and other times just following, stalking me, watching me. If I went to the bathroom, she was there. If I went out to eat, there she was at the table next to mine. There were times when I couldn't even look out the peephole of my room. Because she would be there, standing in the hallway, outside my door, waiting. Standing right against it as if she were trying to use the people to look into my room. She texted me constantly, sending anywhere from 20 to 30 texts in a row. For a while, I kept it civil but short, not allowing her to prolong any conversations. But I eventually just stopped answering altogether. I was scared to make her mad since she was obviously unstable. So I simply locked myself in my room and was isolated more than ever before. I was miserable. I began to carry pepper spray with me everywhere, terrified that she would try something. I remember sitting on the floor of my room and just crying on the phone with my mom, all about how I just wanted her to leave me alone. The school did nothing, and I kept being followed and stalked. However, I got through the rest of the semester with her acting as my shadow, and I later found out she was kicked out of the dorm buildings and later suspended from campus altogether. I wish I knew what for. I often joke about this now, about having the psycho college roommate. But it was really scary having someone follow you all day like that, knowing they're completely unpredictable. It's absolutely draining, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Kay, you made my first college experience a living nightmare. I hope you're finding the help that you need, but please. Let's never meet again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. Don't forget, if you're a patron, stick around after the music for your extended, ad-free version of this week's episode of Let's Not Meet. And if you would like to join the Patreon to get access to that episode, as well as all of the other bonus content and exclusive merch, head over to patreon.com forward slash podcast to join today. This podcast is not possible without all of the wonderful patrons that support the show. And if you're looking for your true paranormal or supernatural fix, check out the new episode of my other podcast, Odd Trails, at oddtrails.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This week you have heard... Sleepwalking Horror by Callie It's Okay Sweetie by Anna My Sister Dated a Murderer by Sarah The Chef That Made My Life Hell by a listener that asked to remain anonymous And finally My Crazy Stalker Roommate by Michaela all of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, is not associated with Reddit or any other message boards online. As always, if you have a story to share, send it to stories at gmail.com. I'll see you all next week for a brand new episode of Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. Stay safe. Summer before my senior year of high school, I was working at the front desk of a local gym. While working there, I met a gym-goer who was my age and had just moved to the area. Let's call him Jake. We struck up a conversation